Yes, Lord, you are holy, holy, holy. We join with the angels and all the saints who have gone before. This great cloud of witnesses. We long for that day, Jesus, when we'll see you face to face. walking with you for all eternity, working with you, laughing with you, singing with you, enjoying you, completely satisfied. We say worthy is the lamb who was slain. You were slain, Jesus, for us. While we were still sinners, you died for us. And for that obedience, your Father has given you the name that is above every name. And it's at that name that we bow this morning, singing, you're worthy, you're Holy Jesus, holy is the Lord forever and ever. Amen. And now continue to work in our hearts. Through your Holy Spirit, who dwells within each one who belongs to you, convict us of sin as we hear your word illuminated in our hearts. Enable us to obey. Give us hands to do what it says. We pray for Pastor Rick. Give him boldness to proclaim your word. Give him no fear of us in what we think, only what you think. Jesus, you are worthy, you are holy, and it's in your powerful, holy, worthy name that all God's people said, amen and amen. You can be seated as we continue in worship. welcome you today. 
We're in a study in Hebrews chapter 11. It's our tradition to be able to go through scriptures. Uh, Sometimes it's books, sometimes it's chapters. But this latest series is focusing on a bunch of ordinary people. In fact, if we were to look at them, we probably wouldn't put most of them in this hall of faith. It, it just feels to us like, well, maybe they don't deserve that. But the truth is, is that they're very much like you and me. There's times we struggle and times we understand, and, and these are real people. God defines faith as uncompromising confidence in his word. God is pleased when we bank on his promises, even if it doesn't make sense or we don't see or experience its fulfillment. This is the type of faith that pleases God. Let's review just for a moment before we jump into our study today. There was Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and last week Sarah. They continue to show us what true faith looks like in the midst of sometimes some very, very difficult situations. Today we focus on Isaac. Isaac. Before we jump in, let's pray. Father, we come before you anxious to hear from you today. We are grateful that we can meet together and praise you, and adore you, and worship you. You, God, are a mighty God. God, you are a powerful God. God, there's times we, well, understand you and your ways. And there's other times we just, we wonder. Lord, we know that a relationship with you changes everything. We know, God, that you enable us and walk with those who are part of God's family. So we ask, Lord, even during the times like these men and women of old, during the times when we're confused or the times we're not understanding, that that we would, well, remember that you walk with us and that you will supply our every need and, and that you are bigger than our plans. God, help us trust you. Lord, this day we, we pray for Israel. Our hearts are broken. We're seeing the images and hearing the stories. And God, in some ways, we don't even know how to pray. But we pray this. We, we pray that all of Israel would seek your face. That they would come to a place and accept you as Messiah. They would recognize that you are Savior. And that you are the only hope. Father, I pray for Israel's leaders. I pray that you give them wisdom and courage. And they would protect 
I pray, Father, for Israel's military. Lord, there is a evil. We ask that you would give them grace and help them and defeat this terrorist organization. Father, we pray for all the innocent civilians, the hostages, the grieving families, families that they're despairing and wondering. Lord, I pray that you would comfort them. I pray you would use all these situations to draw them to your loving arms. Father, I pray for the land of Palestine. I pray that all these peoples would turn to you and that there would be peace in the land. God, we need you. They need you. Lord, we pray for this area. We pray for our area. We pray, Father, that you would use circumstances in our lives to draw us to yourself, that we would understand who you are and that you would increase our faith. We pray for those churches, Father, that are in our area that, that are part of our brotherhood. Uh, we think of Fierce Church and Casa de Rocion and Northbridge. We pray for those congregations and those leaders, and we pray, dear God, that they would be salt and light. I thank you for the workers downstairs and for the children that you've given us. I pray, Father, that, that you would help our kids see you clearer, that they would love you more, and they, in their own way, would get to know you better and better. Father, we're going to look at a story today that's a little confusing. I know you've given us a message, and I know you will encourage our hearts, so we pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us and that we would leave different, not because of a story, but because we're able to see you more clearly, and the Spirit is going to teach us and convict us. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, turn your Bibles or your flat screens to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20. Although we'll be looking at other parts of the Scripture, especially in Genesis, this verse that we're going to start off with is Hebrews 11, verse 20. You can follow along with me if you'd like. It was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons Jacob and Esau. Well, if you're newer with us, you're going to say, <laughs> there's got to be a little bit more to this story. There's got to be a little bit more here. But we know that God is using this chapter to help us understand what following God looks like, what faith that pleases God looks like. And apparently, Isaac had this faith. He was a man of faith. The scriptures tell us that he promised blessings to his sons, Jacob and Esau. Let's look at the story of Isaac. 
If you were to take a quick look at his life, and it would probably be back in Genesis uh, chapters 25, 26, and 27. I encourage you to read that uh, at another time. But if you would take a quick look at his life, I I think you would probably scratch your head and wonder again why God included him in this group. The scriptures describe Isaac as a rather typical guy. He had a reputation for being a coward. He was materialistic and seemed to live his life on his senses, what pleased him, what felt good, what looked good. Isaac was easily the least spectacular and the most ordinary of all the patriarchs, which most people would consider Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We'll hit Jacob next week. We've already covered Abraham. And so as we, as we look at this, he was less dynamic than those other two and less colorful. Basically, he was quiet and passive. He probably had the weakest of all faith. And if you read, we learn more of his failures than we do of his successes. We do know this is that Isaac was the one that Abraham was supposed to sacrifice on Mount Moriah. Most scholars would put him at about 16 years old. Remember, at this time, Abraham was older. It wasn't that he was a spring chicken. And as you understand 16, 17, 15-year-olds, they're strong. They're coming into their own. So we sense that Isaac didn't kick and Isaac didn't fight his father at the sacrifice and even carrying up the wood and even tying his hands and even putting him on the altar. At least we don't sense that. So it seems like he respected his father and that's a great thing anytime a 16-year-old respects a dad, right? But we also know that Isaac lived his whole life watching his parents' faith. We seem to underestimate that sometimes. If we don't preach with our words or we don't make sure our kids understand what Bible verses, that sometimes we think that maybe they're not getting it. But the powerful influence of a mom and dad that love God and love each other is unbelievable. So I think Isaac saw this. We also know Isaac was the miracle baby. There's a lot of miracle babies. Let's face it. But when mom is 90 and dad is 100, (laughs) this one's at the top of the list. All right. I think We need to understand, although there's not a lot written and sometimes more negative, Isaac knew God. Isaac was also at the start of God's commitment to Abraham. Remember a few weeks back, uh, Pastor Blake covered Abraham's faith. And in Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, 
Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you, Abram, into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed because of you. A promise. But Isaac didn't come around for another 25 years or so. But Isaac was part of the bloodline to bless all the nations. Even in the scriptures in Genesis chapter 26, when Isaac was told to go to Beersheba, he was a little bit afraid, a little bit hesitant. And this is what God said to Isaac. The Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. I am the God of your father Abraham, he said. Don't be afraid, for I'm with you, and I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants, and they will become a great nation. I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant. So he heard it from his dad. Now he heard it again from his heavenly father, and said, hey, I'm going to be with you. This is going to be the start of something very, very big. I'm going to bless you, and you are going to bless others. It's interesting, right before Moses received the law on Mount Sinai, in Exodus chapter 19, he reminds all of the Jews, again, of this promise. He says, Moses says to Israel, which he got from God, Now, Israel, if you obey me and keep my covenant, you listen to me, you will be my special treasure, my own special treasure for among all the peoples on the earth, for all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. You, Israel, just to remind you, yes, you will be blessed, but you are not blessed because... Well, you're really good people. You're blessed so that you might bless others. You're going to be my representatives. You're going to be my witnesses. You are going to go all over and be able to tell who I am and how wonderful a relationship with God is. Well, we know they didn't do that very well. But Isaac would be blessed to bless others. Two things that come from that really is that the Messiah would come from Abraham's bloodline. So all of the families and all of the earth would benefit because, well, the Messiah would come. Secondly, Israel would be the herald of God's message. These are all good things. And as we continue the story, we learn that Abraham arranged for Rebekah, God's choice to become Isaac's wife, when he was 40 years old. I'm not sure exactly how the story goes, but Isaac was getting up there, and maybe Abraham said, it's time. Uh, We got to keep this thing going. I better find the right wife for you. And you can read that in the scriptures, and they find Rebecca, and Rebecca comes back, and, and they are married, but they don't have any children for 20 years. 
So the scriptures tell us that Isaac pleads to God on their behalf. God, you, you promised. We're supposed to be a great people. We're supposed to bless others. We have no kids. Well, he heard the prayer. And Rebecca came pregnant with twins. Now, I don't know how many of you have had the privilege of twins or triplets or all those things kind of wrestling around in your womb, all right? But apparently, something was really different about this one. Because there was fighting going on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what that feels like. I don't even know what that looks like. But something was really abnormal, and God... Actually, Rebecca goes to God and says, hey, hey, God, you promised this? I've got twins? Like, what is the big deal? In Genesis chapter 25, I'd like to read that exactly to you, God's answer. Genesis 25, starting at verse 23. After Rebecca asked, the Lord said to her, or the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. And here's something very particular. And your older son will serve your younger son. Esau came out first and Jacob followed But God had made it abundantly clear. My blessing would go through the younger son's bloodline. And that would be Jacob. That would go against the grain. But that was God's will. Rebecca heard it, and I got to believe she shared it with Isaac. Now we will see in a very little bit that Isaac's will did not line up with God's plan. Very important. In other words, we're going to find out that Esau was his favorite. And he wanted to bless Esau. But God said, no, no. The bloodline is Jacob. It's Jacob. Now, I'll tell you, uh, if you read through Genesis... You are going to see some of the most dysfunctional things that happen in a family. We are not looking at this family because they are going to be, you know, family of the year. Just so you know. Um, First of all, if you look at Isaac and Rebecca, they weren't on the same page at all, as we're going to find out. They actually lied and deceived one another, especially Rebecca. There's no doubt they showed favoritism. How many of you in all the parenting books are where it says, hey, it's really a good thing that you favor one child over another and make sure they know it. It doesn't go well. It just doesn't, even though you all have favorites and I won't say anything about that. But brothers were at odds. They, they literally were fighting in the womb. But as soon as they came out, Always wrestling, always trying to figure out. In fact, in the very early stage, uh, Esau gives away his birthright for some porridge. A birthright. We don't 
have a lot of that anymore, but back in this day, the firstborn normally, the oldest, would receive the greatest portion of land. That person would be responsible to be the corporate head of the family. And it was an honor. (laughs) Well, basically, Esau was hungry, as you're going to see, and he said, hey, it's more important I get some food than to be the corporate head here. Now, there is signs, and, and I don't want to paint too bad of a picture, although I've already painted a pretty poor picture, okay, um, that Isaac did listen to God. There was a famine that came in, and at this moment, normally what would happen, especially those that don't have a Walmart or a Woodman's or something like that, they would normally go to a place where they could get some food. They could survive. They could live. But God said to Isaac, stay here. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to protect you. You just stay where you're at, even though it doesn't make sense. And actually, Isaac listened, all right? But as you're going to read the story, he basically lies, deceives others, and tries to do things again his own way. Wow. Time has passed, and Isaac is quite old right now. Let's look at Genesis chapter 27, starting at verse 1. Chapter 27, verse 1. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, the older son, and said, my son. Yes, father, Esau replied. I'm an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. So go take your bow and a quiver full of arrows. Go out in the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. It it sounds normal, but as we already mentioned, this was not God's plan. Rebecca overheard Isaac. And knew this was a direct violation of God's word. You would have thought, again, if Rebecca was quite godly and and just walked with God, she would have walked in the room and said, Isaac, (laughs) what are you thinking? Well, she had lived with him for a while, and apparently that approach wasn't going to work. At least she didn't try it. So Rebecca had a plan. She wanted Isaac to bless Jacob because that's what God wanted and gave Jacob some directives. Uh, Jacob, this is what I heard. We've got to outsmart your dad. He's blind. He's getting older. We need to do it fast before Esau gets back. I'm going to make a favorite meal. He's going to eat it, and you are going to receive the blessing. Now, many of you know the story, but Jacob said, hey, mom, hold your horses, okay? For one thing, my brother's a hairy beast. You know, he, he's big. He's different. I got a plan. I will scotch tape some animal skins on you, all right? And where your dad would normally touch you, it'll feel the same. All I know is this. Esau had to be hairy. 
if, if this is where they're going, you know. So anyway, this, this guy, you know, he's the guy that started shaving at about 12, you know, that kind of a thing. So anyway, the next thing she says is, hey, I better dress you in Esau's clothes too. Okay, so they go with the plan. You, they deceive, and actually, Isaac gives the blessing to Jacob. He leaves. He leaves. Then Esau returns. He's got the game. He makes the meal. He comes trucking into his dad's presence with this dish. Dad, here you go. Here you go. And Isaac said this, who are you? Duh. (laughs) You told me to do this. Is my dad going to see now? What's going on? I just did exactly what you told me to do. Look at chapter 27. This is so key. Starting at verse 33. 27, 33. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then... Who just served me the wild game? I've already eaten it and blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand. If you mark in your Bible, I would encourage you to mark that line, highlight it. We're going to come back in a second. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud cry, a bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac, said, your brother was here. He tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. I believe this is where Isaac's faith was realized. Trembling, why? Because he was at a crossroad. It was the crossroad of, is he going to listen to God or is he going to not? It's amazing to me because we kind of look down on Isaac, but I think he actually respected God a whole lot more than we'll give him credit for. I'm not sure if you've ever been in a place, if you were one of God's kids and you've come to him by faith and you've come to a crossroad, do I do what I want or do I do what God wants? And you start to tremble. You start to tremble. Oh, what do I do? Isaac knew what had happened. He knew what God's plan was. He knew what God's word said. And he answered this way, that blessing must stand. It wasn't like he was king of the Medes and Persians, which means once he said something, it had to happen. It wasn't. But he knew this. He said, I'm sorry, Esau. I know you were deceived, or I was deceived. 
But it's going to stand because that's what God wanted. Esau then let out a bitter cry. What about me? Dad, what about me? And you'll find out that Esau or, or Isaac did give him a blessing, kind of a weak one, but he did. The reason I know his faith kicked in is because Esau could have said, hey, I was tricked, which he did, but then he could have said, I renege. I, I give it back to you, Esau. You get the blessing. What was I thinking? I was tricked. But Esau didn't. Esau did what God asked him to do. Now, it took a bit, but Esau now showed his faith in God's word. In fact, this is the definition of faith we've been working with. Faith is submitting to God's plan even when his plan is not what you have chosen. That's so key. That is unbelievably important because that will, will bring you to crossroads the rest of your life. Maybe often, every day. Am I going to listen to God, his revealed word to me? Am I going to trust him? Or am I not? Am I not? Wow. Esau was Isaac's favorite, but he was not God's choice. Isaac would have made a terrible mistake if it were not for Rebekah. Rebecca is a hero here, not for her deception, but for her fear of the Almighty. Now again, maybe I go to my high school pastor days, and uh, maybe I shouldn't have to do this next part, but I'm going to do this next part. And that is, let me clearly say what the lessons are not, all right? In other words, this is not what God is teaching us in this story, Lie and deceive others to get your own way. Not doing that. In other words, ends justify the means. No, no, they don't. It's not marry a godly wife so she can help you obey God. It's not bad, but that's not the lesson. Or don't worry about a strong marriage or parenting, it will all work out in the end. <laughs> No, none of those. This story ought to give us great hope and grow in our faith. Because in spite of a less than stellar family, or stellar family, God is present and working out his plan for this family. God's promise to bless the world goes through Isaac, and God is faithful. We can celebrate God's grace in this story. The entire family acted shamefully. It, it did. The father and son wanted to go against God's plan. The mother and son did not or did the right thing in the wrong way. God was not pleased with Isaac, Rebekah, Esau, or Jacob. 
until Isaac demonstrated faith because God is pleased by faith. Disobedience always has consequences. It does. But God is gracious and able to work in spite of our rebellion. You see, this lesson is about faith. That's why Isaac is in the hall of faith. So let's bank on God's word. In some ways, Isaac was a blot on the Old Testament record. But in the end, he was God's man because he demonstrated faith. He submitted. He believed. He obeyed. Isaac submitted to God's plan when it was not the plan that Isaac would have chosen. Somehow he stepped out in faith. Somehow he came to a place where he said, I am going to trust you. And I ask you this as we come to a close. Which promise of God are you at a crossroad with? What is God asking you to do as you've opened up your word? Well, well maybe you haven't been opening up your word or, or God's word. Maybe you haven't been listening to God. And, and therefore, he probably isn't talking to you. But, but what about those who are opening up God's word and listening to God? Are you at crossroads? Do I trust you, God, or, or do I do my own thing? You know, if I trust you, God, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think I might have a little better handle on this. When, when Jesus says, seek first my kingdom. You mean submit all my plans to you, God? You mean, you mean I, God, am supposed to focus on what benefits your kingdom before mine? Hey, I, I, I may not have a good bank account then. I may not get the right husband then. I may not get the right job. Hey, I really like living here. You really want me, God? What do you mean, seek first your kingdom? What about forgiving others as I have forgiven you? (laughs) Well, God, I I mean, uh, you know, why would I forgive them? They really hurt me. Or, Or God, what? Well, there's a crossroad. You come to it, and I come to it. Do I forgive like you forgave Jesus? You mean like when Jesus died on the cross? He was mutilated. He was beat to a pulp. He didn't even look like a human being. So I'm supposed to say, Father, forgive them? I'm to forgive? No! That's not right. I have to make things right. Don't I have to make things right, God? 
I can't trust you. You're not going to take vengeance. You're not going to make things right. Are you God? Are you going to do that? Are you going to do that while I'm alive? Like, okay, if I forgive them, will you please send lightning tomorrow? No? Okay. Do I take it in my hands or do I listen to you, God? God, do I love my wife like Jesus loved the church? Oh, wait, I know, I know how Jesus loved the church. You know, the, Jesus gave up his life for the church. He was sacrificial to the church. Well, wait a minute, my life, <laughs> I mean, my wife, my life, my, my wife. Uh, I'm to serve her like that? I'm to love her like that? Well, what happened if she doesn't? Oh, it's not even in there. How do I love my wife? Well, like Jesus loved the church. I, so I have, a, I have a choice every single day when I go home or when I wake up or when I see her. Do I sacrificially love her like Jesus did for me? Or do I <laughs> become selfish? Do I do my own thing? You see, crossroads all the time. Now, lastly, Make disciples. Well, you know, let's not push this one too far. But, but that's what Jesus said. Right before he went up to heaven, he had his people around him, and he, he says, hey, I just want you to know, I want you to make disciples who make disciples. Well, if I make disciples, that means I have to meet with people and I, it will invade my, my calendar. Um, that means I have to grow. And if I grow, I need to help. Uh, no, man, we made disciple those in our household. We made disciple those outside our household. But I know one thing is Jesus said, you're my plan, Rick and Crosspoint. You, you are the ones who are going to make disciples. You're going to help others follow Jesus better and set them up so that they can help others follow Jesus better and so they can help others, help others, help others. It's not a program, although sometimes it's involved in a program. Let me say this is that you and I will never regret submitting to God's perfect plan found in his life-giving word. Never. So every crossroad we come to, maybe my prayer is that we fear God. We recognize God gave us this for a reason that we need to listen to him. His way is best. And that someday we will be rewarded for our obedience. Maybe not even during this life. Maybe not. Maybe. Let's pray. Father, on the outside, Isaac was well, I don't know, kind of normal. Maybe even some ways pathetic. 
he really didn't listen to you all the time. But God, somehow you developed in his life a respect for you. You surrounded him with right people. And there was a choice, even though it was the end of his life, where he was going to listen to you or not. God, we're there all the time. We need to listen to you. Father, for some of us, it means getting in your word. For some of us, it means hearing your voice. For some of us, it means stepping out in faith that your way is better than our way, that your timing is better than our timing. God, we make so many demands as if we're God. We are not. We don't understand your ways, and we don't understand your timing. We don't. And so I almost pray in a way that says, Father, help me while I'm struggling with my faith. May I obey you because it pleases you. And would you take care of the details? God, we do love you. We do. And I ask you at this time, God, that you would move powerfully in our midst. That we would understand, first of all, that if we don't have a relationship with you, if we are not part of your family, that that is a priority in order to experience life abundant and eternal. But God, there are so many that are here, so many that are online, that, that are part of your family. And Lord, we get at crossroads every day. Would we be a church? Would we be a group of people that would listen to you quickly and trust you, knowing you are wise and powerful. And God, when we fail, when we blow it, when our faith is weak, would you be patient? We're so grateful for your grace and for the security of being in your family. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.